coming birth of Jesus. In the sixth month after Elizabeth had become pregnant, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. He was sent to a virgin. The girl was engaged to a man named Joseph. He came from the family line of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel greeted her and said, The Lord has blessed you in a special way. He is with you. Mary was very upset because of his words. She wondered what kind of greeting this could be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. God is very pleased with you. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son. You must call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High God. The Lord God will make him a king, like his father David of long ago. The Son of the Most High God will rule forever over his people. They are from the family line of Jacob. That kingdom will never end. How can this happen? Mary asked the angel. I am a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come to you. The power of the Most High God will cover you. So the Holy One that is born will be called the Son of God. Your relative Elizabeth will have a child even though she is old. People thought she could not have children, but she has been pregnant for six months now. That's because what God says will always come true. I serve the Lord, Mary answered. May it happen to me just as you said it would. Then the angel left her. Jesus is born. In those days, Caesar Augustus made a law. It required that a list be made of everyone in the whole Roman world. It was the first time a list was made of the people while well, Quirinus was the governor of Syria. Everyone went to their own town to be listed, so Joseph went also. He went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea. That is where Bethlehem, the town of David, was. Joseph went there because he belonged to the family line of David. He went there with Mary to be listed. Mary was engaged to him. She was expecting a baby. While Joseph and Mary were there, the time came for the child to be born. She gave birth to her first baby. It was a boy. She wrapped him in large strips of cloth. Then she placed him in a manger. That's because there was no guest rooms where they could stay. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. It was night, and they were taking care of their sheep. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news. It will bring great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Here's how you will know I am telling you the truth. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. 
Suddenly, a large group of angels from heaven also appeared. They were praising God. They said, May glory be given to God in the highest heaven, and may peace be given to those he is pleased with on earth. Then the angels left and went into heaven. Then the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see what this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby. The baby was lying in a manger. After the shepherds had seen him, they told everyone. They reported what the angel had said about this child. All who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary kept all these things like a secret treasure in her heart. She thought about them over and over. Merry Christmas, everybody. It's good to have us all here and, and uh, to be together celebrate the night before Christmas. Uh, since the 18th century... There's been this magical, special connection between Christmas and kids. Um, I've, we've had a, Roger uh, Crest made us a, a manger over here and a, and a cradle, and you'll notice it's empty because it's Christmas Eve. But let me tell you another child's bed that's empty on Christmas Eve, and that's when this one over here, because one of the hardest nights to sleep for a child is Christmas Eve. Am I right about that? Man, I, I remember as a kid, I could not sleep. And I'm sure you can remember that as well. There's just something about Christmas and children that conjures up all these memories, even as adults, childhood memories of Christmas trees and maybe some, some family together, presents, snow, Santa, Rudolph, and the, and the nativity. How many of you were in charge of the nativity, setting up the nativity in your house? I was too. I was in charge of that. I had to make sure everything was there. You know, that popsicle nativity that I made in grade school, I had to make sure, you know, that I had to make sure it was right and had all the animals in the right spot there. And uh, the wise men, I didn't have them at the manger. I had them walking. I, I realized they weren't really there. They were on the other side of the living room making their way like elf on the shelf, making their way there, so to speak. But there's just something about, um, about Christmas. Um, and if you think about it, it makes sense, this connection, because it was a child that brought Christmas, the very first Christmas, to the earth, the birth of Christ. And I've often wondered why. Why come into the world as a baby? I mean, a baby is vulnerable. A baby is innocent. A baby is helpless and weak. Why would you come to the world like that? I would think you would come in like Terminator or some kind of, you know, Thor or some strong adult. Um, you know, Adam was an adult when he was created. But Jesus comes as a baby. I've often wondered about that. Well, I tell you what, I realized, I've come to realize, kids have more power and influence in our lives than sometimes we think. Um, in fact, there's a passage here I want to show you. And this is a passage that found up here on the screen. It's in Psalms 8, verse 2. And look what the Bible says here. With praises, tiny infants, you have built a fortress. It makes your enemies silent, and all who turn against you are left speechless. 
Now, this word praises, this Hebrew word, is really talking about whatever comes out of a baby's mouth. Maybe they're cooing or maybe they're crying. How often has this happened? You're in a room full of people and it's real noisy, a lot of commotion going on, and then you hear a baby cry and everybody stops talking. All the moms, they're listening. That's mine. That's how powerful a, a baby's cry is. And I think it's, it, I, I never could figure it out, but my wife could figure it out. When my boys would cry, she knew what they were crying over. I said, oh my, something's wrong. I said, no, no, Matthew's just cranky. He's trying to go to sleep. He's just crying because he'll, he'll be fine. Really? And then he'd cry again. I just lay there. What are you doing? Get out of bed. Why? He's scared. How, how can you tell? Well, you, if you listen, you can get the message, Tim. Sometimes he'd cry because he was mad. Sometimes he'd cry because he was hungry. Sometimes he'd cry because he was dirty. There was all these reasons, and mom knew. It's like she must, I don't know if they had a mom school or what, but she knew how to translate that crying into a clear message. You see where I'm going, don't you? Jesus Christ is born, and he breaks the silence. 400 years of silence from heaven. He breaks with his cry. He starts crying. And I want you to know, God knew exactly what he was saying. And I got to thinking about that. What can we learn from this child? What do we hear from the cry of this child, of this particular child on Christmas? Well, let me tell you, I got four things I notice, four statements I think Jesus is saying with his cooing and his crying. Number one, Jesus is saying, I want to be close to you. You know, we could not go to heaven, but Jesus could come to earth. And he comes to earth as a baby. And he comes here because he doesn't want to have some kind of acquaintance with us. He doesn't want to be someone on some high mountain or in the heavens on a throne. No, he wants a personal, close, not a shallow, but a close relationship with you and I. Look at this passage here in Isaiah 7. It's quoted often during the Christmas time. The Lord himself, it says, he's doing this himself. The Lord himself will give you a sign. A virgin will be pregnant and she'll have a son and she will name him Emmanuel. Matthew quotes this passage and he adds to it, which means, Emmanuel means God with us. God doesn't want you to be alone. I'll tell you, I know some of us here, and I know that I know there's going to be some of us here that go, I feel like I'm just going to be all alone on Christmas. You know, a few years ago, a few years ago, Denise and I, it was Christmas Day, and you know, uh, the boys and the, the families were seeing their sides, you know, the, seeing the, the daughter-in-law sides of the family. So here it was Christmas on a Sunday. We have a Christmas service, and Denise goes, what do you want to do? Because there's nobody coming to our house. I don't know. So we go to Edwardsville. We're going to go out to eat. Every restaurant is closed, but McDonald's. And so I get my Big Mac and fries and a soda. Denise gets her meal. And then the boy starts sending me, look at the plate I've got. And it's got turkey and dressing and ham and mashed potatoes and all this stuff. And I sent him a picture of an empty Big Mac. This is what I've got. And really put it on him a little bit. None of us want to be alone on Christmas. I want you to know, you're not alone on Christmas. Jesus Christ came to be close to you. And tomorrow, 
when you wake up, he's going to welcome you and want to be close to you. He doesn't want you to face anything alone because he's, he came to be with you. I don't know who needs to hear that, but I want you to know that's the truth. He wants to be close to you. He wants to be near you. He wants to be involved in everything every day. He's never too busy. The second thing that Jesus says with this cry from a cradle is, I understand you. You know, it's funny, I reading in John 1, the first chapter of the Gospel of John talks about the Word was God and is God and became flesh and dwelled among us. And in 1 John, look at this verse here. This is how 1 John starts. He says, the Word of life, he's talking about Jesus, existed from the beginning. And then he says, we've heard it. We have seen it. We've observed it and touched it. What's it? Jesus was a human being. And he was a human being on purpose because he wanted you to know he was born just like you. And he understands all the things in life. He, again, think about this. If he came as an adult, he wouldn't have had a childhood, no childhood memories. He wouldn't be able to relate to us. But he's born vulnerable and weak and has to be taken care of, has to be changed, has to be fed, has to be protected. He grows up, learns to walk, falls down, gets back up, does all these things, experiences all the ups and downs of life. The Bible even says he was tempted just like you and I. So he knows what it's like to be tempted. He knows what it's like to be hurt. He knows what it's like to laugh. He knows what it's like to get excited. And if, think about that now. That means he's never out of touch. I know some people may be out of touch with you. They may not understand you. You just don't get me. I'm a different person. Jesus always gets you. He does understand you. And he came on Christmas so you'd know that. He was made like you. He was born like you. He knows what makes you tick. And listen, listen to me. He knows what you really, really, really need. And he knows what you really, really, really need to do. Number three, we also learn from this cry. Jesus says this, I see your true value. I really know what you're about. I know how valuable you really are. Oh, you got some people think you're worthless. You might have somebody's written you off. I haven't. You're very valuable to me. Now, you ever heard that phrase, it's the thought that counts? We'll hear that a lot. You know, you'll get something and you kind of look at it funny and someone might say, you know, it's the thought that counts. And you think, well, yeah, but what were they thinking when they got this for me? You know, I got my brother, he's a flashlight nut. I was going to say enthusiast. He's a nut when it comes to flashlights. The man has more flashlights. I have tape measures. He has flashlights. And he, I got him a, a flashlight that's got flashlights on the end of the fingertips of a glove. And you know what he says to me? I already got that. Here I thought I really topped it this year, you know. But it's just, it, what I find is interesting is, it's, what is the thought behind the, uh, the gift sometimes? And I've learned something else about thoughts. Sometimes those thoughts can be pretty expensive, huh? Yeah. The, right now, NBC just a week ago said that, we're, that Americans are going to spend, get this, $966 billion on Christmas. The average American family will spend $1,300 on Christmas. It's a thought that counts. You just hope it's an expensive one in your case, huh? If you're going to get a gift. Well, the wise men in the story that Will read, thank you, Will, for doing that. Then that, that story, the wise men give Jesus 
gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And what is myrrh? What a weird sounding word. Well, myrrh is given as a reminder of something that's coming down the road. And Gary talked a little bit about that during the Lord's Supper. Myrrh was used to prepare people for burial. Myrrh was associated with death. And, they were, and all they were saying, they recognized why Jesus was really here. And that was to die on the cross for mankind. Look at this passage up here. Jesus says, here's why the Son of Man came. And he's talking about himself. He came to give his life as a price for setting many people free. You say, I don't feel very valuable, Tim. There's times I just feel pretty worthless. Well, not to Jesus. Not to Jesus, man. He thinks you're so valuable that he'll gladly pay the price. I sell a lot of things on Facebook Marketplace. Anybody else do that? I I do. I love doing it. And I had some things that, you know, I had on there a couple of weeks, and I'm about ready to lower the price. I'm "I'm not going to lower that price because Christmas. I bet you somebody will pay it. And sure enough, somebody paid the full price and thought they got a bargain. I was thinking about lowering the price. Jesus Christ sees the price for you and I. He sees the price especially for you. And he says, I will pay it with a smile, with willingness. It wasn't easy, but he did it. He paid it with his own life. I also read this uh, the other day that that there'll be $171 billion worth of gifts returned the day after Christmas. Wow. I couldn't help but think about why. Well, some of them are damaged. Maybe maybe somebody's disappointed and they don't really want it. And I thought, how does this relate to Christmas? Oh, big time. Because, see, Jesus bought you for keeps. He has no intention of returning you. He wants you, and he'll gladly pay whatever price it is. You're useful to him. And lastly, the thing I notice, again, as Jesus cries from this cradle, he says this, I'm your king. I'm your king. I'm your real king. There's a lot of things that try to take first place in our lives, and and I have to admit, I've fell for that many times as well. Maybe it's a job, maybe it's, maybe it's a house, a family. Maybe it's a, a vehicle or a toy or whatever it be, a career. Jesus Christ is the true king. Look at this passage again. Will was reading this. They went, well, this was later. They, they went to his house where the child was and saw him with his mother, Mary. These are the wise men. They bowed down and worshiped the child. They opened their gifts they brought for him, they gave him treasures of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The wise men treat Jesus like a king. These are the gifts you give to a king, gold and frankincense and myrrh. This child is the king because he reigns right now. He reigns. He has the power. He has much more power uh, than anything that's ever existed. Anything that has power, he has given it that power to him. He reigns because he had power, and he has power over death itself. And I'll tell you, whatever problem you've got, death always trumps it. And Jesus said, I'll take care of that. And if he can take care of death, folks, he can, he can address and take care of any problem you and I face. Let me close with this. We were at China Walk uh, just a few days ago, and uh, Nene, my youngest grandchild, started singing this song. Do you see what I see? 
And I went, oh, my goodness, I've got to have her do a solo next year. And I go, do you hear what I hear? And she goes, do you hear what I hear? And she knew the words to this song. I was, I, and I love that little song. I was listening to it today. I want you to think about something as we close this service out. We're going to hear the kids here in a second. A sound breaks through all the noise of Christmas. Stop and think about this. Christmas is a very noisy, noisy holiday. And there is a sound that breaks through all of that noise. It's the sound of baby Jesus. Maybe he's crying. Maybe he's cooing. And what is he saying? What is he saying? Whatever he's saying, do we hear what he's saying? Can we be quiet and silent enough to hear this baby on Christmas? Because I want you to know, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus wants to say something to you this Christmas. He wants to give you some hope. He wants to give you some assurance. He would love to give you his joy. We're going to pray now, and um, I'm just going to ask the kids if they want to go ahead and work their way up here to the stage. We're going to pray together. Are you ready? Let's pray here. God, we want to thank you for Christmas. God, thank you for Jesus, for him coming, for being born, for Mary being his mom and Joseph being his dad. We thank you for our moms and dads too. And Father, as we celebrate the Christmas season, as we get together with our families and things, help us see that you want to be close to us you want us to be a part of your family as well. And Father, we just pray that we'll, we'll honor you as we sing out about the greatest historic event that took place where you came to this earth to change lives. And we pray you'll change ours. In Christ's name, amen. We were going to sing Silent Night together with you guys. Is that all right? You guys up for this? Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, round yon virgin
Christmas, everybody. Good job. Good job, guys.